and welcome to episode 113. My name is Josh and this is Together BHA. Uh, we are here on the, what, we are two hours uh, post Fulham against Brighton. So we are barely out of the uh, the reaction stage. There's still a lot of reaction going along online, um, most of which I would recommend you just avoid because uh, there's a lot of upset people today. Um, and, you know, I think in the cold light of day when people wake up in the morning, uh, they will hopefully relax a little bit. Um, we do have a couple of things to hit on before we hit the Fulham game, though. Um, first of all, let's take a look at these fantasy football numbers. Uh, fantasy Premier League is is alive and kicking, as always. Um, my my game has gone down a little bit. Uh, I am not doing quite as well as I would like to have done. Uh, mainly because uh, the double game week that we had last week uh, did not go in my favour at all. Um, I had a bunch of really bad outcomes uh and my triple captain that was salah went horribly um currently in the top five of the together bha podcast league reminder there is a prize for top placing here so you finish first place you win a prize as long as it ain't me if i finish first then second place wins the prize so in first place is gunks punks from one of our own podcast guests, uh, all the way out in China, Stuart Allen. Uh, so well played, Stu. Uh, you are top of the table with 1,256 points. Respectable total indeed. In second place uh, is another one of those players uh, that have been hanging around the top spots uh, along with me and, and someone else on this this top five list as well. Uh, and that is Ezra Thompson with the Fantasy Eagles. Good name. I like that. Uh, third place is, is myself. Uh, fell down. Um, not so good so far. Uh, 1,229 points. Uh, and in fourth place, but really joint third, uh, on also 1,229 points, is Ryan Marsden, uh, Lalana's in pyjamas. And the final one of the top five here uh, is simply a person called If You. Uh, so If You clearly isn't a real name. Uh, and their team name is No, just No. So I've got to assume that that's not uh, the real person's name. Um, I've got to assume if you uh, is not what your birth name is. Um, but if you, uh, you're going to need to get in touch sometime soon, because uh, if you end up winning this league, uh, I need to get something to you. And I have no idea who you are. So not great, uh, but, you know, keep on cracking, and, and who knows, maybe you will break into that top one uh, and, you know, dominate. Now then, big news came out of the Albion last night, uh, and that was the club accounts. Uh, nice and early, no messing about. Lots and lots of Premier League clubs have not announced anything so far uh, of their kind of six months of COVID-induced accounts, uh, but the Albion did. Um, Brighton announced losses uh, of £67 million for 2019-2020 season, uh, of which £25 million is linked to the COVID-19 problem uh, that we have seen, obviously, take place. Uh, you know, the Albion have actually lost... Uh, up to £5 million alone um, on matches taking place behind closed doors. 
Um, the broadcast income, of course, has had a big problem there, uh, down over 20% uh, as only a, you know a specific set of matches appeared. Uh, not so great there. Uh, we also just saw a general revenue downturn of uh, 7% as well. Um, our wages went up just a slight bit uh, to uh, just under £48,000 a week on average. Um, and generally, uh, we also had a, a problem um, when it comes to transfer fees and spending uh, compared to this season, I'm sure. Um, you know, we, we actually spent a bit more uh, simply because we did not sell our best players. Um, and that was the season, you have to remember, of firing Chris Hutton, bringing in Graham Potter and going ahead and signing Trossard, Webster, Mopai uh, for a fair bit of of cash um also revealed uh, that tony bloom lent the club a further 32 million pound in the 28 2019 2020 season uh he has now invested a total of 394 million pounds into his boyhood club i think that everybody on this podcast listening to this show would do the same if they had that kind of money available to them for this club i would without a doubt um, but it's worth taking a moment to just realize how lucky we are to be in a situation where somebody who like us, like someone like us is able to put that money in. And it isn't some billionaire that may just walk away tomorrow. It isn't some Russian, uh, you know, oil millionaire. It isn't some shake. Uh, it isn't some, you know, Chinese, uh, a politician or, or businessman trying to impress a, a political leader. Um, there is no kind of gain in this for Tony. It's a lifelong passion. And that is something we are very, very, very lucky to have uh, as a team. Now, I will say, uh, rather ironically, personally, uh, I, I think our accounts next year despite the fact that we have had an entire season behind closed doors, I think our accounts next year are actually going to look better. Um, I think we're probably going to go from uh, some really poor-looking numbers to probably one of the best, if not the best, in the Premier League uh, the following year. Um, You've got to remember, we've spent £900,000 on the playing squad this summer. Uh, we have offloaded, you know, 25 to £30 million pounds worth of players, as well as any wages that we've offloaded as well as any sales we make this summer which you know could well be over a hundred million pounds in sales this summer if we were to be relegated from the premier league uh you know the amount of money we would be able to comfortably recoup uh from bisuma from lewis dunk from ben white uh these players would would probably not want to stick around uh in the in the championship um, and and frankly, you know, Trossard as well, uh, the, the amount of money we could get for just those four alone, um, you know, would probably be well into that, that 100 million pound mark, if not comfortably more. So it's weird uh, to think that, you know, after a full year of the pandemic fully in swing, we may end up looking better this year than the year prior. Um, but, you know, this is... This is going to be a real big wake-up call to a lot of fans, I think. Um, not just across Albion, but across all the Premier League teams as they see the money roll in. 
Um, I've seen a lot of Villa fans online uh, kind of humble bragging about how, how rich their, their owner is and how well run their club is. Um, they don't seem to realize that you can't just write off money. Um, the accounts for this year will, will show how much you are kind of having to invest your personal money to keep that club out of the red, um, just like the album. And I, I suspect that there's going to be some clubs, uh, you know, this year and next that are going to provide some very stark uh, reading for some of the fans uh, when they kind of clamor on and on uh, as to the signings they want to see come in, um, especially for teams in the middle of the table, right? For the Albion, it's tough. Uh, you know, we, we have done, been very, very, very sensible in the last... 12 months uh, since the pandemic came into effect. Uh, I say that like it's a transfer window. <laughs> um, obviously it isn't. Uh, but, you know, we've we've done a very, very good job. We're, we're led by one of the, if not the best chief execs in the world. Um, and we have done an awful, awfully good job of, of solidifying ourselves, of being as self-sufficient as possible uh, with the help of a fan that owns the team. Um, I, for one, am very interested to see what others' accounts look like as they start to drop. Albion was one of the first. Um, so, you know, we've 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 kind of got a benchmark to look at uh, from our own club. Um, I would highly, highly, highly recommend, if you want to hear more about it, uh, go ahead and, and head over to The Price of Football with Kira Maguire, uh, a guest of the show as well. Um, he is obviously, you know... 100 million miles away uh in terms of quality in terms of information uh compared to myself and and pretty much any other uh albion based outlet you'll hear from um kieran mcguire is is truly you know the 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 world class heavyweight of that football finance world um so you know i would highly recommend going going to his podcast or or his website um and listening or reading depending on what you would prefer uh, the real you know deep dive into the albion numbers um i've done it it's a very compelling read uh it, it's a lot to be said for a man that can make things like that seem interesting uh, so so i i would definitely recommend taking a look at it now onto the game itself this was a big one uh a lot of people said it was must win um, probably myself included at some point in the last four weeks, I've probably called it a must win at least once. Um, it was also a must not lose, uh, because the, the gap, you know, currently is, is a game or two, right? Like we're, we're five or six points ahead of Fulham right now. We are five points ahead with a game in, with the, the a game in hand for Fulham. Um, if they were to win that game in hand, of course, then, you know, they would go to 16 points, which would only be two points off of us. Uh, if they were to lose that, you know, they're five points behind us with, with over halfway through the season. The thing is, is that it seems to be the Albion way that we aren't putting together results against teams that are, are in and around us. Um, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I mean, we've won three games all season. Um, the first of those was against Newcastle at Newcastle. Uh, at the time, early days, uh, it did not look like they were going to be 
in relegation trouble. Callum Wilson was firing. Uh, they had a lot of great players playing good football for him. Uh, since then, you know, Alan St. Maximum has gotten hurt. Uh, Almiron can't stay fit. Um, a lot of their kind of attacking outlets, barring Wilson, um, are, are struggling to stay fit. And, and we're starting to see a real reversal of fortunes for them. Um, and our other two wins uh, obviously come against Aston Villa and against Leeds, two teams that probably aren't in a relegation scrap. When you look at the games around us, those kind of high-pressure uh, games that you would consider to be kind of six-pointers in, you know, in inverted commas, we simply aren't performing up to scratch. Uh, Brighton at home to West Bromwich Albion, 1-1. Brighton at home to Burnley, 0-0. You know, it's it's not good enough. Brighton away to Fulham, 0-0. Brighton at home to Sheffield United, 1-1. And then today, you know, Brighton at home to Fulham, 0-0. Uh, we, are, we are doing a good job defending the, these these teams. You know, we're, we're not looking too much danger uh, in terms of losing to them, but but the, the, the two points conversion, you know, from, from a draw to a win is, is costing us massively. And, you know, if you just think, we just win two of those games as opposed to drawing all of them. You know, we're, we're on 22 points and we are, you know, almost, well, if, if one of those is Fulham, you know, we're, we're 10 plus points away from the, from the relegation zone. And that kind of stuff is beginning to tell. Uh, the one thing that I won't complain about this time, especially uh, is the lineup. Um, I thought that Potter put out, a very, very, very good starting 11. Uh, Sanchez in goal, Webster, Duncan White as a back three. Uh, Solly March and Joel Veltman at wingback. Um, of course, without Tarek Lamptey, uh, we're pretty much stuck with, with Joel Veltman out there. Not that I think he did a bad job. Um, you know, it's just there's, there's levels to these things and, and Veltman is just, I mean, nobody in in the squad is, is anywhere near Tarek Lamptey. Um, as we as we spoke about at the weekend, in terms of the the impact he has on the team, uh, there's nobody else in this in this starting twenty five, you know, this Premier League squad that that come anywhere near Lamptey in terms of impact uh, on this team. We also had Gross, Bissouma, and McAllister in the middle, um, and Mopai and Trossard up front. No complaints from me. Uh, proper on the bench, Alzate, Connolly. Uh, Jacob Moda also made the bench. Percy Tao, Zakiri, Lalana, Byrne, and of course, backup goalkeeper Christian Walton. Um, suspect that Walton will take that number two spot pretty permanently soon unless he goes out on loan, uh, which would be a bit of a risk given that we've just sent out Matty Ryan. And it was a tale of uh, Groundhog Day right <laughs> all over again same stuff different day different week uh we had 16 shots today uh total five of those on target um six of those shots blocked and then of course five off target uh fulham had 10 uh three on target neil mopai had four on target gross had three lewis dunk had two headers uh adam webster had two headers and we just could not make that ball go into the back of the net Pretty 50-50 in terms of possession throughout the uh, the total of the game. And pass success rate uh, was was really kind of a non-starter as well. Uh, there was an awful lot of passes going astray today. Um, the Albion's passes uh, were more in that final third. Uh, and, and Fulham's passes were just about everywhere. Um, we had a 71% pass accuracy rate to the 73%. 
if anybody listens to this show or, or anything else uh, in terms of, you know, statistics and, and average kind of percentages and stuff like this, that's very low. <laughs> um, that's not that's not, you know, a normal Albion number, um, especially against a team that is supposed to be on there kind of level as opposed to a Liverpool or a Manchester City. Uh, in terms of dribbles, um, we had a much better dribble success rate. Alexis McAllister in particular, um, we came away with an 81% success rate when it came to dribbling with the ball at our feet uh, and kind of successfully dribbling past men and, and kind of making forward progress. Uh, Fulham only had 52%. Uh, they ran into the brick wall. Um, that was Bissouma and you know, that back three. Um, very, very good indeed. Uh, and then in terms of corners, uh, which I find the most kind of astounding here as well, um, was we had 10 corners to their zero. Um, only three of those 10 found our man. Um, four were taken by Pascal Gross, four were taken by Solly March, and two by Trossard. 10 corners, 30%... 30% accuracy, um, and, and obviously no goals to show for it. It was, like I said, another game where you sit back and you think, how have we not won that? The starting 11 was great. Um, I know that, you know, I normally go into flashpoints. There weren't really any flashpoints today because there was no goals or sending offs or anything like that. Um, but the thing is, is that, I saw a lot of people online uh, upset that we didn't make too many substitutions. Um, and, you know, we, we just made the one today. Uh, Alexis McAllister came off in the 82nd minute for David Proper. Um, and and while I understand the frustration, you know, these, these players have a lot more games of football to play. Uh, we, we have a game against Tottenham on Sunday, you know, three or four days from now. We have another game after that, uh, I believe, against Liverpool at Anfield. Um, so, you know, these, these games don't, don't really stop coming. Um, and it's not like there is like a gap between them. You know, we, we played, uh, against Blackpool this weekend. Uh, we then played against Fulham today. We then play this weekend coming against Spurs. We then play in the middle of the week again against Liverpool. We then play again that next weekend, uh, against Burnley, um, or yeah, and then we play Leicester in the FA Cup. And then three days later, after that, we play Villa. We play one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games in the space of about four weeks. Um, I can absolutely understand why Potter decided to do what he did in terms of the substitutions. Um, we are also in a world of squad management. Um, and we also have games that are winnable. Uh, make no mistake about it, Tottenham is a winnable game. We beat them last year. Uh, we are capable of of winning games against Spurs. Uh, they're not an easy team to play against, like by all means, you know they they don't tend to lose to to bad teams. Um, you know they've they've only lost what three games all season, uh, and they were Everton when they were on an absolute flyer. Um, and then Liverpool and Leicester. So, you know, they're, they're not a team that, that loses often, um, but they are a team that, you know, the Albion can get a result against this team. Uh, if they work hard and they play well, you know, this is, a, this is a game that they can go ahead and take something from. And so I think Potter has every reason to, to rotate that squad and keep people fit if he can. Now, I would probably expect to see 
players like Aaron Connolly, uh, players like Alzate, players like Tao, Lalana, uh, play a part this weekend. Um, you know, if they're not playing a part at all this week, uh, you would expect, you know, some of those players to play a part in the coming game. Um, if they don't, then I think it's fair to start asking questions, you know, as to why they're not getting game time. Uh, you know, why weren't they brought on to, to try and change the game today? Um, but on the other side, you know, we were we were creating an awful lot of chances today, even without them on the pitch. Um, I, I didn't see anything particularly wrong with, with Trossard or Mopai or anybody, really. They were, they were going out there. They were creating chances uh, all the way from, you know, the first whistle to the last. Um, you know, it's it's not that we weren't creating chances or making something happen. Uh, Neil Mopai alone uh, had an expected goals of 1.08 and scored nothing. Uh, he had an expected goals assist as well uh, of 0.66 and, of course, assisted nothing. Um, Trossard had an expected goals of 0.66 and, of course, scored nothing. Um, we also had, you know, uh, Ben White had an expected assist of 0.61 and obviously had nothing. Alexis McAllister, 0.37. You know, these these people are putting together these performances where we should have won by two goals today. You know, we finished with our XG in the 2.29 area and we scored nothing. That That is not... And I feel like this is just the same. I may as well just post episode 99, episode 96, episode 93, episode 94, episode 88, and just post them and just change and just dub over the opposition name at this point. Um, because it's tiring to continue to just say, we are creating the chances. We are putting the ball at these players' feet and they are not able to finish it. But that is the truth of the matter. In just the first 20 minutes, uh, Trossard missed essentially the goal at his mercy, missed. Uh, he also then cut inside and had a shot blocked. Uh, and then we also missed um, a header from a set piece that Lewis Dunk missed. Uh, that, you know, he basically had uh, the goal at his mercy as well, anywhere but the goalkeeper. And just like Trossard, he put it straight at him. Um, that's the first 20 minutes. We could have been 3-0 up, you know, with with top-class finishes, we're 3-0 up. With competent finishes, we're 1-0 up. The fact of the matter is we don't have either. Um, and and something has got to change in that respect, in my opinion. Um, when it comes to the players themselves, I thought Veltman had a good day today. Uh, three key passes for him, uh, joint first with uh, Pascal Gross. Um, I thought he kept you know that entire side uh, very quiet indeed. Luckman did not look like a problem to this team uh, it looked like we were rather comfortable just just popping through really <laughs> um i i'm quite surprised at, at how effect how ineffective rather uh, that full attack uh, was meant to be so you know in terms of veltman i thought he's did, did well uh also pascal gross i thought he did you know a job that he was asked to do uh three shots three key passes uh you know he he dealt a lot with the ball in that that middle area um he also was only second place behind Bissuma for total tackles as well had an interception to his name um you know he did a he did a shift he put in a real shift in that middle of the park as well um he was not you know shy about distributing the ball around um, and only Adam Webster played more passes than he did, uh, and he was a lot more accurate when he when he played them. So I thought Pascal Gross, uh, you know, came in and and, and did 
a great job, uh, as he seems to be doing every time Potter asks him to. Similarly to McAllister, uh, I thought McAllister was fine as well today. Uh, two key passes for him as well. Uh, four total tackles for him as well. He did his job in the center of the midfield uh, alongside Bissouma, um, who absolutely ruled the roost defensively this game. Uh, Bissouma, five tackles, three interceptions. Uh, did come away with a yellow card. Was a little bit worried he was going to come away with more early on, but he, he really controlled himself very well. Uh, similar to that Wolves game last season, I feel. Uh, he showed a real maturity once that, that kind of yellow card came out and really, you know, dragged himself around. In terms of my man of the match, uh, in fact, let's talk about disappointments, actually. Uh, my Probably my biggest disappointment today uh, was Trossard. Um, <laughs> I think that he is lacking confidence so extreme lee that it's just mind-blowing uh he should have scored at least one today um he had you know a real big chance uh early days and it's just it's just not happening for him um and i do not know why that is um you know we talked about it again this weekend just gone uh what is going on with with leandro trossard um because you know in in theory he should have four or five goals this season and and he is not um you know he's still on one and and i don't see it coming to an end anytime soon so not good not great pretty poor um and then likewise mopai again you know should have scored 1.06 goals today in expected goals and got nothing at all four shots two on target two key passes was did a really great job creatively as well nothing to show for it um we we really need to to you know, just do something. <laughs> um, defensively, though, I, I think that's where we stood out. Lewis Dunk was my man of the match today. Two shots, two on target, anywhere but the bloody goalkeeper, and it's a goal. Uh, only second uh, behind behind Adam Webster in terms of aerials. One uh, was generally very good at the back. He he also held you know players like Cavalero uh, and and Bobby Cordova Reed and and Ruben Loftus Cheek and Adamola Luckman. He he held them totally you know in his pocket. Uh, they really didn't have too much problems being dealt with by Lewis. Uh, two to two tackles, one interception, two clearances, a block shot, no fouls, uh, and of course. The reason he gets my man in the match more than anything is that goal line clearance uh, that saved our blushes massively at the end of the day there. Uh, that would have been just the most disgusting result I'd ever seen in my life if we'd have lost that 1-0 today from that rook goal. Um, I just can't I just can't even fathom how I would feel if that had gone in. I probably wouldn't have done an episode. I'd have probably just sacked it off and just pretended it didn't happen. Um, the fact of the matter is we're creating chances. And we're not scoring them. We have four days left of the January transfer window. My final words of this podcast is this. Actually, no, they're not. First of all, in terms of the rest of the podcast coming up, uh, I need guests. So I have, here's the games coming up, right? We have Tottenham this weekend. Uh, I'm not able to get a guest on for that uh, in terms of voluntary guests because I have... Uh, 
way too much going on that day. We're, we're a late kickoff uh, on the Sunday and it, and it runs straight into other commitments. So I can't do that. Liverpool is a midweek game. As we know, midweeks are just a dead thing for me. Uh, so Burnley at home is the next one I would like a guest for. Um, if anybody would like to be a guest for the Burnley game, please do let me know. Uh, DM me, uh, ping me on tw- Twitter, Instagram, <coughs> Patreons, if you're listening to me right now, uh, I am terrible at checking my Patreon. Uh, I I love you. I appreciate you all so much. Um, But message me on Twitter or Instagram, TogetherBHA, and I will get back to you a hundred million times quicker than I'll get back to you on there um, because I'm just terrible at going on it, to be honest. Uh, So if you would like to come on the show, Burnley, next up, do let me know, um, and we will have our little palaver uh, over that massive, massive game, really. Um, and the rest of February is massive already as well, isn't it? Um, you know, Spurs rolls around uh, on the 31st, so February's fixtures uh, are as so. Liverpool away, Burnley away, Leicester away. Jesus, we've got three away games in a row now, I'm looking at it. Uh, Liverpool away, Burnley away, Leicester away in the Cup. And then we're at home to Villa, at home to Palace, and away to West Brom to kick off the end of February, or kick out the end of February. West Bromwich Albion, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, Burnley. Massive. They're all games we need to get results from. Now my final thoughts. I understand our accounts just yesterday, or rather two days ago if you're listening to this on a Thursday. Our accounts look grim, but we are now past the halfway point in the season. It is abundantly clear that we do not have the required quality up top to score the goals, to stay in this division with with any degree of comfort. Of course, we've got enough people to score goals to stay up because they've done it last year. My point is, is we, we don't have the, the talent up top to score the goals, to stay in this division with any degree of comfort. Um, we are not, you know, performing like Villa or West Ham or Southampton. Um, we are constantly in amongst it. If we do not invest, to me, you know, four days from now when that transfer window slams shut, as Sky Sports love to say, uh, if we if we don't, haven't invested in a striker by the end of, you know, the month, you have to assume that relegation or and a return to the championship is plan 1B to the bigger picture in game plan. I have no doubt that Tony has a plan 1A, and that plan 1A is stay up this season, uh, continue g- growing the youth team, doing whatever it is, investing and spending wisely, uh, and, then, and then continuing to push up the table. However, if we see no investment, at the end of the year, at the end of the month, you have to assume that relegation is a very viable and very realistic and very not acceptable, but like grit your teeth and bear it reality for Tony Bloom and the rest of the board. Um, because if it wasn't, you would see there is enough data by now for a gambling man like Tony to know that investment is needed in the striking role to stay up in this division reliably. 
Um, you've got to assume that if he does not do that and he decides to stick as opposed to twist, that relegation is something that he is obviously never going to be happy about, but he is fully willing to accept as a reality if he, if he believes that that is going to get us to the promised land of top 10 in the Premier League sooner rather than later. You have to assume it because he wouldn't be stupid enough to not to, right? Like, he's a freaking genius. We all love him. We all trust him. So... If he doesn't invest by the end of January, I know the accounts look grim. You've got to assume that he has a plan for relegation. And at that point, you've then got to just back the boss, right? Like, he's the, he's the chairman for a reason. Um, so I will speak to you all this weekend after Tottenham, for better or worse. Uh, and be safe. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. Uh, and we will speak soon.